The views expressed by guests on this podcast are the opinions of the speakers and not PCCA. This podcast is intended to be educational and informative. PCCA does not endorse or advocate any practice that is not consistent with federal and state laws or regulations. Check with your local board of pharmacy about any issues in your particular jurisdiction. Welcome to The Mortar and Pestle, a PCCA podcast where we discuss all things compounding and all things pharmacy. Now, here are your hosts, Mike Delisio, North American Sales Director, and Sebastian Dennison, Clinical Compounding Pharmacist. Welcome, Compounding World, and welcome to the latest episode of A Mortar and Pestle, a PCCA podcast. This is Mike Delisio. Seb, how's it going, man? Oh, today is a good day, and, and uh, I think this is going to be a fun day. Anytime we get a chance to record with one of our members, it always ends up being such an amazing episode. And I uh, can't thank none other than Mr. John Kim. John, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be on a podcast with all the compounders. It's like the first time actually doing with all the fellow pharmacists. It's always been me being in other alternative space or, or other practitioners but I think that's like the first time actually getting involved in a compound world in a while. So it is an honor to be back, basically. <laughs> welcome, a, welcome, welcome. It's an absolute honor to have you. And as we get to learn more about you, and obviously our audience gain to learn more about you, they're going to hear about your your presence within the social media world and how many people that you you have following you and that have you know, been along with you for quite some time. So it, it's it's truly impressive. And we were talking about this offline in regards to the amount of individuals that you appeal to. Um, so you are very familiar in that space, podcast domain, probably your first time, but great, you got to start somewhere, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, you know, we, we never get into the long-winded intros, best represented from yourself. So John, I know you joined PCCA in 2012, um, you know, in the Jersey area, I'd love to learn more about, you know, what brought you to PCCA, what made, what made you make the decisions behind, you know, starting a compounding pharmacy and, and, and joining our organization. Right. So my overall history with PCCA started back in year 2001. So that's 22 years ago when I was a basically just finishing my freshman year in college. I didn't even know if I wanted to do pharmacy or anything of that nature, but I was looking for an internship. And there was a member store up in Chatham, New Jersey. I basically called him up. He's like, hey, I want an internship. I want to work for you because uh, he, so the owner of that pharmacy, his name is Al Brown. And I really give everything to him because if it wasn't for him, I would have never gotten into compounding or even pharmacy. His daughter was good friends with my best friend. So he was able to give me an internship. The funny story I still end up having to mention is that he thought he was going to just hire me without paying me anything. But he was (laughs) nice enough to give me some lunch money, basically, uh, working. And yeah, he was doing compounding at that point. And on the phone, he was like, you know, I do compounding. And I was like, what is that? I was like, well, it's, it's a customized medication for patients. I was like, wow, that so, sounds so cool. So when I walked into the store first day, I looked into the lab and I was amazed in terms of what was available even back in 2001. I mean, he had a capsule machine that he was making capsules with, making creams on a um, ceramic slab that he was making. 
but yeah, that was basically the beginning of it all. Afterwards, I wanted to go to PCCA to get training done. Um, at that point in time, I didn't know how to how to get there or anything of that nature. But I think it was two years after that's when the PCCA boot camp started to occur. So Chris Barnett was there. So did mm-hmm. Ren- Renee Prescott. I have a long history of Renee. And um, she, I, I went to the boot camp my junior in college. I had a thrill of a time learning all about PCCA compounding. And the first thing I, I did after it was done was to contact Renee for internship at PCCA. So my last year rotation I was doing for my PharmD, I worked under Renee and it was a billeton. Uh, Chris Barnett was my uh, externship coordinator, obviously. And then I was also had an opportunity to work at the uh, consultation room. So I was working on the Bruce Riundo. I was working on the Jim Paoletti. I mean, you talk about old guys, the old school PCCA guys. So I basically worked out from there and it really gave me an interest. I worked at two other member stores at Houston, Texas, learned about functional medicine for the first time. I learned about a pharmacist that was doing consultations and charging patients for integrated consultation practice. I didn't know what that was. And then at that point in time, I also called up uh, John Preckshot asking about how I could get CCN credentials that he had done. And he actually was the one who said, I don't think that's the right fit for you. Why don't you talk to Jim Paoletti? Jim's doing this phenomenal thing with this anti-aging fellowship. Maybe you should look into that. So I started working, talking with Jim. And then I talked with Jim LaBelle. You know, those are the old school guys really gave me a heads up in terms of what was going on and what was moving and shaking at that point in time. You're talking about this was year 2005. Mm-hmm. Uh, so right after pharmacy school, I was, was able to work for a startup company, pharmacy. Afterwards, I did my two-year fellowship in anti-aging and functional medicine through A4M. And I was probably one of the first few pharmacists to get out of the, uh, that education. Uh, I didn't know what I was doing, but the moment that I was done with that, I was keep on calling several other uh, pharmacists that I learned from. The first person that I called up a lot was Jim Paoletti. He really took me under the wings and spent several hours on the on the phone uh, explaining about how to uh, read labs, designing certain uh, hormone therapies and such. I mean, that was probably one of the pinnacle points that I really learned a lot from. And then also Jim Lavelle. I mean, I don't think he remembers as much. I walked up to him last year. I was like shaking his hand. I'm like, if it wasn't for you, I would have never gone into functional medicine. Like he really opened my eyes in terms of what a pharmacist could do. And, and that, I don't think he gets enough credit, man. That, that guy really changed my life. That's a really cool story because that speaks to the foundation that a lot of individuals also crave prior to opening up their own location is truly wrapping their head around getting as much knowledge as possible so that when you start, you're successful. Um, but that, thank you for sharing that because just in the amount of names that you dropped, so yeah, we know every single one of them, uh, but we know how influential those people can be as well. So, you know, you know, kind of fast forwarding and, and you opening up your store what were your primary focuses when you started compounding? And and you mentioned the importance of functional medicine, and I know that's probably always going to be there. Um, were there certain areas that stood up more towards you in regards to patient demographic, and and where did you thrive early on? 
it was a very much of a challenge when I first took over. I, I didn't open up a store from scratch. I bought an existing store that was 150 years old. Mm-hmm. So in a small town of Mendham, uh, about five to 6,000 pa- patient population, it was just only doing traditional dispensing. And coming into a pharmacy that never did any compounding, for instance, was a challenge because just to create that market, I'm quite sure a lot of the members who started from scratch um, had the similar challenges like how to market, how to get these known to the patient population out there. So I end up having to do monthly hormone seminars in my pharmacy for free. I'm inviting few patients. I started with maybe one or two patients. And I remember the last one that I really had done any hormone talk was back in 2019. I, I, I started to start back going up. But at that point in time, I used to have 20 people coming to the pharmacy and learn about hormone therapy. You know, I, I even talked about pain management, low-dose naltrexone, all those things. And just growing the interest the patient-wise was one of the really big challenge uh, that I had, but also gave a lot of dividends in terms of just marking about the pharmacy that we are different, that we are uh, really patient-focused, and then having to get our name out there as a pharmacy that's really concentrating the compounding, that's when the doctor started to call and saying that, hey, you know, Ms. Mr. So-and-so mentioned that you started doing compounding, you know, what do you think about this and all the hormones? And then also getting calls from OBGYNs and asking us to do hormone consultations. So that's what we uh, continue to do. I mean, I, I used to do that at the other pharmacy location that I used to work for six years, but now in my own store and having to do hormone consult was one of the things that was really rewarding uh and and another thing that took a while was for getting the repertoire of doctors trusting you it took about two to three years to get to that level but once i got that trust at this point in time a lot of doctors call us for point of views and how to manage a patient case so took a while but you you plant the seed and you water it you nurture it and you let it grow yeah it's well said um you know even more about your recent work as well. Uh, I mentioned your online presence, watching you grow. Um, your education never stops. Um, as much as you provide a lot of education to the masses and, and and share a lot of amazing information and data that and references that you gather have gathered over the last few years, but really you you don't stop learning, right? So, is there a message that you have for a lot of the pharmacists that we work with? in regards to what their educational journey should look like as well, uh, to truly treat patients the way that they deserve to be treated. And obviously, you know, taking everything into consideration, your journey into functional medicine once again, what have the last few years been like for you? Because you mentioned that, you know, while you're heavily invested in the treatment of your patients and you've been involved and you're speaking in so many different locations and it's amazing to watch you and and where you've come from, what message do you have for our audience and people that are looking at potentially starting or even growing their business? The first thing that I learned was that every single moment that you meet new person, new opportunity to learn, take that into consideration that these are the stepping stones that you end up having to go into and a different entry point that could catapult you to a different set of goals that you have in your career. So especially um, talking with new young pharmacists getting graduating and then potentially getting into compounding, 
learn as much as you can. But one of the things that they have to realize is that they have to have an open mind to learn. I think we are developing to a pharmacist standpoint that you know one single model and does allopathic medicine is the way to, to providing the best pharmaceutical care, but that's not the case. Pharmacists, especially compounding pharmacists, are in a better position to really envelope, not just about the allopathic side of it, but also Eastern medicine, functional medicine, and really looking at these things to really envelope, to create a better balanced approach than anyone out there, right? So one of the things that I, I do very well is that when I see a patient, it's not just about looking at the functional side, I'm also looking at the, as a pharmacist side in terms of what I could do potentially to help other ways to help manage this patient's case. At the same time, understanding the full side of the functional medicine and as well as other alternative care that could be available. Namely, I do a lot of breathwork exercise and working to calming the vagal nerve response issues. But that's not something that a pharmacist school end up having to teach you. That's something that I end up having to work, work and learning from other practitioners, right? So me, as a pharmacist, have to come in with an open mind that there are alternative worlds that I need to be familiar with in order to provide the best care possible. And I think the biggest gripe that I have with the current pharmacy education is that this is the only way, this is the only way to get to, to the uh, actual uh, help with a patient. And the single model is only going to be demolishing, basically, the, the patient care that you're looking for. It doesn't really address anything except for patients who are dissatisfied or just going in a circle of act, uh, working with different practitioners and nothing's being helped. And that's the biggest thing that I end up having to learn within the five years, that I need to have an open mind, working with different practitioners, learning. And so I haven't really been focusing on a company well because I've been so hungry about going to different conferences and learning about things. So now even for me as uh, you know, working in social media, really going into speaking at different conferences that are even pharmacy related. And so I'm going to a, a, a chiropractic slash naturopathic conference in two weeks in front of 500 people talking about drug-induced mitochondrial dysfunction, but how that model itself, we're, we're not really creating any healthy individuals by expanding the use of pharmaceuticals. There's more damage that can occur from using pharmaceuticals rather than looking at the overall root cause. But doesn't mean that you can't use any drugs, you could still use drugs. You've gotta be very smart about applying these things in a correct way to get the best outcome possible. And John, this is exactly where sort of the exposure to compounding started and then the education piece and learning and then learning about functional medicine and then developing almost uh, sort of a, a new bold path for a pharmacist is you're using your drug information knowledge, not as a, well, this is the way, and I've talked about this before, but this is a platform to which you can actually extend your learning and then apply it to these new sort of paradigms of care. You're talking about going to a functional medicine conference with naturopaths and chiropractors and talking about mitochondrial dysfunction induced by drug, drugs. So it's your pharmacist expertise that allows you to be an expert in that. And that education sort of journey that you're undertaking it's it's been very uh, interesting and varied, but we're still seeing the applicability to pharmacy compounding practice because 
you're not hearing this from your regular pharmacy or pharmacy program educated pharmacists. There had to be a pathway to this. And that pathway comes through compounding and exposure and education. And that's something we always talk about here in PCCA is you're not done. Yeah, you're learned about hormones, but you just started the journey. And this is something for you as well. I think we could talk about naltrexone. We could talk about, mm, I don't know, what's next? Methylene blue or, or, or. But you've, you've taken this and made it into your own sort of education experience and taken it so much further. But I kind of want to go on to this. Well, tell us more about what you're doing now, because you're, you're kind of, you're intimating like, hey, I've been going through all this compounding and I still see the role and you're speaking about it. But now you're using your platform of education and expertise to start educating others on where, where people aren't learning. So talk about that. Like, tell us what's going on there. Cause that's, that's the interesting part. That's what we want to hear. How are you growing your social media? How are you growing that exposure? How are you marketing yourself as a, as a, as a compounding pharmacist expert? Well, I haven't really marketed myself on social media as the compounding pharmacy expert. Um, it's hard message to convey to lay people because it's not something that I've been very familiar with. They're like, oh, pharmacist is a pharmacist and they just dispense drugs and end of that. But one of the ways that marketed very well for me was to put the word doctor in front of me, which I am. I did my doctor, uh, doctor pharmacy graduate back in 2006 and did an extensive amount of training and, and learning. But that in itself creates a lot of um, open way for people to listen to you because of the fact that one, you're a doctor, but better yet, you're actually a pharmacy doctor who understands the gambit of not just about uh, drugs, but also clinical side. But at the same time, I end up having to bring an expertise in looking at alternative and functional medicine world. And I started this whole entire social media page back in 2019, not to talk about functional medicine, but was to talk about CBD. That was it. That was the only point that I ended up having to create that page because it was such of a poor information laying out there by the CBD industry that I thought, you know what, I want to just go into this and talking about how to properly use CBD and how we could be utilizing to managing patient issues and dealing with pain and even mental health problems. But more and more, I opened myself up in I, I, you know what, one of the things that I really did, I still love to do is doing live Q&A questions, sessions on Instagram live. Whatever question you have, I'll answer for you, right? So that in itself was one of the things that I've done very early on. And this is where the foundation comes in because I was exposed to so much clinical information, just not being the pharmacy side, but being the compound side and working with different practitioners that I was able to answer a lot of questions and also being doing the fellowship training as well as a, as a functional medicine provider really helped out. So I was doing a lot of Q and A questions, but people were asking, not just about CBD, but asking about, Oh, what can I do to help deal with my IBS issues? What can I do deal with um, the mental health I'm dealing with? How can I get off medications properly? All these things that are not related to CBD. I was like, well, you know what? If people are looking for these information, I need to ship right away. So that's what I started doing. I talked about how we could incorporate a functional medicine approach to deal with X, Y, and Z. But one thing that I noticed more and more was that people were lacking in the foundational care aspect that 
how to improve their overall health in general was also missing as well. So there was one post that I did about a month ago about 10 foundational care that you have to lay on. So it's almost like building a house. You need to lay a foundation down. That foundation equates to spiritual care in terms of your life, in terms of being spiritual. Also deal with uh, having the clean water, having a clean diet. So first thing that I really mentioned to any patient that I work with these days is to get rid of inflammatory oils, any seed oil, canola, corn oil, vegetable oil, even avocado oil. I never have to tell the patients to get rid of it. Those are inflammatory oils that create more imbalance within the fatty acid uh, balance that we need to keep, but causing more inflammation. And so just getting rid of the inflammatory oil half the time fixes a lot of problems that patient dealing with, especially the leaky gut. So that's all the things that I mentioned about, also getting rid of gluten, getting the proper care in terms of sleep, right? Self-care is very, very important. How to maximize sleep, how to get the quality sleep possible. So I even recommend patients to get an oral ring to check for heart rate variability and measuring out what system are you under? Are you in a parasympathetic system? Or, you know, or a sympathetic nervous system, right? Dep de depending on the type of a nervous system response you actually have, that fight or flight response can really exert into how well you're gonna be uh, experiencing a good therapy options or not, right? So those are the things that I have to lay out. I also talk about um, how to get your drainage pathway opened up. I don't think that's really talked about in the pharmacy world. So drainage pathway. The, the lymphatic know. drainage. Yeah, I've talked to a few practitioners about that. It's brilliant information. Keep going. Yeah, yeah it's not even just the, the lymphatic aspect. Lymphatic is just one aspect that we're talking yep. about. Liver, bile, you talk about skin, you're talking about bowel movement, right? Even in terms of just in a hyper-reflexive state, this is one of the things that I, I talk about a lot as well. If your body is under a cell danger response in a hyper-respective state in dealing with, let's just say, chronic pain, for instance, if your liver is completely stagnant and if you're not able to poop properly and your bile is completely locked up, you cannot detox. You cannot get into that re uh, relaxation state. So what do we need to do is we need to go back, work on the diet, work on to fixing the microbiome and really getting the bile flowing. So I use ox bile a lot. I use tucker a lot. I use phospholipids a lot as well. Phospholipids, namely phosphocholine, works within the transports of the entire bile system as well to unlock that entire system. Because if you don't, you can't get the patient back in order, right? So that's a key hidden piece that we end up uh, uh, not remembering, or at least I don't think we really think about these things in a realm of being a pharmacist that in order for to provide a better care possible, really looking at these uh, drainage pathway and fixing that, then followed by how to detox properly. So I do recommend cell membrane support. So I do, again, use a lot of phospholipids. There's a company called Body Bio. They have a phospholipid complex. Uh, it's completely liposomal. And so the, the, the whole thing with PK protocol, I don't know if anybody is familiar with that protocol was uh, founded by Dr. Patricia Kane and Ed Kane years ago, and utilizing phospholipid fatty acid lipotherapy to fix cell membrane detox pathway, as well as to help uh, neurological support and to apply that phospholipid therapy into chronic management state like 
Lyme disease, mold toxicity, all those things can be very hard to manage the cell membrane damage that the patient might be dealing with. And it could help so many ways in doing that. So, uh, you know, I, I, that is a particular thing that I, you know, put a message out. And those resonate with a lot of people, right? People are listening. People are hungry for this information because, you know what? They got so burnt out from all the doctors. They got so burnt out from the mainstream medicine that people are looking for alternative ways to get healed. And that was something that I was preaching out of my heart, right? Because I saw that as, as a medicine being completely broken. But as an insider working in the side of the, the, the regular medicine part, when I go to get out of that and talk about the message that the people are able to understand, and that's the alternative medicine side, and that really resonated a lot. So I grew from zero followers and now up to uh, 38,600 followers now. Just relaying my message out and my tribe is my followers and they're following me. And that's one of the good ways that I've been able to have a uh, you know blessing on and able to work with these patients one-on-one uh, through virtual. So I have patients who are not, I don't call them patients anymore. I call them clients because I'm really just providing coaching and, and lifestyle changes and things like that to help them. But that resonates a lot with them. You so, know, it's, it's amazing, John, that you mentioned that you're a t- in a town of 5,000 people, yet you have close to 40,000 people following you um, and the information, the knowledge that you're able to share. Where do you see that growing? And, and how do you focus on constantly adapting or sharing information in such a way that is quote unquote within the community guidelines, but still gives the capability of, you know, getting the word across and giving patients information, whereas they can seek further help, further assistance, reach out to their physician, reach out to someone like you uh, who can potentially aid them in their own journey of healing. That's a good question. So what I have done is I started even early on of the the pandemic as it was a great thing that I was locked into my apartment and having Instagram live sessions with people. But that was it. That, that was way that I ended up having to grow, grow my base, being out there and talking about these things, but also cross-marketing between other bigger pages. It really helped a lot. And having other followers following me and really making that grow. Uh, so one of the things that now I'm, I'm really doing at this point is I actually wrote a mini ebook called Dr. Kim Holistic uh, Path to Health. And that is essentially what I have learned in the last 15 years as a, as a pharmacist and as was a functional medicine provider of how I view medicine and how I view a person's journey to health. And so one of the things that I talk a lot about is the foundational care that I just mentioned before, but also microbiome balance. So that is the overall soil that we are born with. And it's not about the DNA, it's about the mitochondrial uh, DNA and as well as the microbiome that we end up having to get from our parents and our environment. And that could actually determine a lot about how I, how I think, what I eat, how I deal with my stress, it's all about the microbiome. And we forget about that because we've been sterilizing so much in our environment and and as well as environmental toxins such as uh, pesticides and glyphosates. And so that's one of the things that I talk a lot about in in this particular book that I wrote, followed by the foundation care, 
And then those are the three pillars that we talk about, gut health, um, and then as well as immune and followed by hormone. That entire piece is building up a foundation, pillars, and then the roof is our entire body. We're providing a, a, a care, self-care, and empowering us to be our own best care of doctors out there and empowering them. So that's a message that is resonating a lot of people. And that gives me a lot of structure about the content I could talk about. Mm -hmm. So this month, I'm going to be talking all about adrenal health, how to manage adrenal health naturally, not about using adaptogens or all these different type of things, but naturally by managing your stress response, eating well, eating well to a point in terms of keeping your blood sugar level stable, potentially using continuous glucose monitor to monitor your sugar response, working to improve your sleep getting the best out there and exercising all that to really working to rebuilding your adrenal response. Um, that also equates to getting the right electrolytes, right amount of protein, right? I don't think a lot of people are not enough eating enough protein. So I recommend patients to eat at least around 30 to 50 grams of protein per meal, right? That alone could fix insulin res resistance issues, but we don't talk about that. And you know what the biggest issue is right now? When I go to these uh, pharmacy conference, if you want to be the best practitioners out there and helping them out, we should work in our health as well. So I talk about that on my page. I'm like, we need to do better as practitioners. We need to work in our health. We need to manage our eating habits. We need to sleep well. Even yesterday, I was at a, a dinner event for a supplement company, and there were so many MDs and doctors out there and, and eating all the gluten, all the wine, all the liquor they want to, they end up having to tell other patients to do something else. Why don't we keep it into practice to manage their own self-care to be the best person possible to empower people? So that's something that I started working on more and more, you know, eating more protein, really working on my stress response, right? And so even when I had, I mean, we didn't talk about my heart attack, but I had a heart attack back in 2015 and dealing with uh, tick-borne related illness and having mold toxicity and all that, I thought I was going to die. But from that, back in 2015 to where I'm right now, I'm a night and day difference in terms of my health, my overall outlook, and the improvement of my life. Uh, it's not about you know, working to managing you know, hours of pharmacy, but it's just things really changing. And, and the crazy thing is like, I'm just talking out of my heart and is resonating with a lot of people. So you know, it's just, I'm just talking with the people that are listening to me, basically. You know, going back to that, John, you glanced right over it. Uh, <laughs> that you, you know, you you suffered a heart attack in 2015, um, and you're a fairly young guy. You know, what were your main takeaways from that, and what was your what was your life learned, like lesson learned from that, and where do you not want to go back to because of that life event? Oh yeah, absolutely. That that's um, you know, funny enough. Uh, our, our good good friend Lizzie Harbin was actually up in New Jersey when I had a dinner with her about two weeks ago. Was, yeah, about two weeks ago. And I told her about my overall experience with my heart attack back in 2015. So long story short, I had at the age of 33 years old, I had an 85% blockage in my lower anterior descending artery. So aka the widowmaker. And uh, I'm, I'm laughing about it now, but uh, that had me 
scared the bejesus out of my life. And in terms of refocusing in terms of what was going on, but also that became a blessing because that in itself allowed me to look at my health even better and found that I had a hidden tick-borne related illness called Bartonella infection, following through uh, with mold toxicity. I, I was living in a very moldy house growing up and I had so much mold toxins that was in my body. So when you're dealing with Bartonella, which can a, which is called a, a cat scratch fever, it can cause endothelial damage within your blood vessels. But when you talk about mold toxicity, mold suppresses your immune system, also helps to crank up cholesterol production. So all those patients dealing with cardiovascular issues, we should get their mycotoxin level checked. But that can be a resulting point in terms of increasing atherosclerotic plaques to build up. And you talk about stress, heavy metal exposure, all these things became a perfect opportunity for me to have a full-blown heart attack. But I see that as a blessing because if it wasn't for that particular experience going through my own journey of healing, I don't think I would have been an open-minded in terms of what the possibilities are to help my patients. And it took a two years of me you know, getting through my overall healing journey. But there was many times that I thought about quitting my pharmacy work and then doing something else. I still remember calling AJ. I was like, hey, AJ, like, do you have a clinical position there for me to work at PCCA? He's like, no, not yet. But that, that was the thing. I'm like, what can I do to walk away from pharmacy, but also being involved with the pharmacy world? But that was one thing that maybe potentially work at PCCA. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm laughing about it now, but that was one of the things. So it, it hurt a lot, I, not because I, I didn't get a job at PCCA, but being a sideline, being bedridden, trying to go through my recovery process. And it really humbled me, not just physically, but mentally. I mean, I, I used to be so gung-ho about, you know, doing everything possible, but, but I was never, never able to relax. But now I'm able to. But another point that was a great point was that humbling experience, that experience that went through, and by all means, but one of the things that really gave me a, a triumphant moment was 2017 when I got my George Wrench scholarship, being on stage, being recognized by my peers, and really getting on the, up there. Because two years before then, I, would, I, I thought I was going to quit and walk away from pharmacy. But I was still going through my healing journey. Many, out, many days I couldn't even work because I was so burnt out and sick and oh my God, the amount of the, the pain I was going through because the die-off reaction from the treatment was so intense that I ended up having to stay home many days. But those are the moments that, you know, it was worth it. It was really worth it. And going through that healing journey and then being on stage and people like, ah, that's just the scholarship. But that in itself became one of the things that I'm like, you know what? I was able to get through this. I'm on stage and people are seeing what the work that I was able to put through, and it was really God's grace as well. But that was one of the things that really made an impact. And I shared this with Lizzie two weeks ago, having dinner with her. Uh, so yeah, it, it, in, in general, PCCA has been a, a blessing in my life since getting into pharmacy school, going through our world journey, and then to where I'm now. Yeah, your journey is absolutely fascinating, John. Thank you for sharing all that. And you kind of came full circle, um, you know, the accomplishments that you went through in your life, but also some of the challenges have kind of led you to where you are today. You have an amazing audience. You have people that 
rely on you for critical information and for amazing knowledge bombs. I always call those things knowledge bombs because that's kind of what Instagram delivers, right? Short and sweet. And you you definitely have individuals that rely on that information and that count on you for it and have followed along in a very short amount of time. Amassing that many followers in four years is quite astounding, despite some of the challenges that you faced on some of the platforms as well. So yeah, <laughs> I, I did face a lot of challenges, but who knew, who knows? Maybe that maybe the challenge wasn't there. Maybe my my page could have grown up to hundred thousand. Well, you never know. You, you you still have all those years ahead of you, right? Yeah, exactly. And 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 I find it really. Uh, and, and this is something I think a lot of our listeners are also going to be thinking about is your personal journey influenced your professional journey and your professional journey has certainly influenced your personal journey. And now here you are, it's kind of a long, long point to get to here, but yeah. And you've created your own niche and it's, it's coming from this sort of, sort of, sort of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It adversity breeds excellence. So, and that's where you, you've kind of landed is you, your excellence shines through, even though you've had some some adversity. So, kudos yeah, to you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if, if like I said, if I didn't go through what I had to go through back in 2015, I don't even think I would talk about vagal nerve response or relaxation at all, right? I would have just said, "Hey, take some vitamins and be done with that." But that's something that pharmacists in general should be thinking about as well. I mean, there's so many burnouts right now with pharmacists. I mean, you know, Mike and Sebastian, we, we talked about this even before this call that we need to do something to help our fellow pharmacists that there's not talking about walking away from your profession, but there are better ways to manage your stress response and get a better outcome in your life. So this way you're able to love your profession and give, give more to others. Yeah, uh, completely well said. And a great message for all of our members, the audience that follows us along as well. We'll listen to these episodes. And like I said, one of my favorite ones are when we have the opportunity to record with our fellow members. Um, you guys say it best. And all your journeys are completely unique, some more unique than others, um, just like yours, John. But for those that want to be part of that audience, you mentioned a couple of things throughout the podcast. One, you just wrote um, an ebook. So, you know, where can anyone find that ebook on holistic medicine that you've written? Yeah. So best way to follow me is on Instagram, drdr.john.pharmd, P-H-R-M-D. I don't, I don't know why I'm spelling that out. Usually I'm on a different podcast. They're like, PharmD. I'm like, what is that? So I... <laughs> no, you're, you're, you're amongst your peers here. So you're- okay. Yeah, exactly. So drjohn.pharmd. Uh, uh, and my website is drkimwellness.com. And when you visit my Instagram page, there's a little tiny link tree that you could click on. And if you click on that, all my links in terms of discovery calls, my ebook, and all the different uh, brand affiliates I'm working with right now uh, that you're able to experience and, and see. So yeah, definitely download that book. Uh, there's a lot of tidbits in there talking about hormonal imbalance. I think I think we should actually have PCCA should not just have a hormone uh, day in terms of consultation, but also enveloping how gut and as well as uh, looking at immune imbalance were affecting the hormone system. I think that should be a, maybe you guys should invite me to talk about that, but it could be another discussion. You know what? <laughs> we, we, know, we know people, Dr. John, we know people. So um, we'll, we'll definitely bring that up. And for those that listen to the podcast and also attend our events, 
it would be cool to uh, to obviously hear you speak. You mentioned how you speak for so many, you know, in different fields, other conferences outside of the compounding world. Uh, wouldn't hurt to have you involved in the compounding world as well. Yeah, uh, I got to go back. I've been so busy uh, going to other conferences and speaking. But uh, yeah, it's, I mean, I mean, I would have never thought about going to some naturopathic conferences and talking about drug-induced mitochondrial dysfunction. But, you know, naturopathic now, especially Wisconsin and um, even the state of Washington, they're expanding the role of naturopath to prescribe. Mm-hmm. So they need those pharmacy CEs. Right. So pharmacists should get involved in doing that and and crossing out to different healthcare professionals to expand our role there. Yeah, it so much amazing things on the horizon. And I know we're all going to rely on individuals like yourself to deliver that information. So, you know, on behalf of the podcast, John, just wanted to really thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to be with us. Uh, I hope our audience gets a lot of it. Thank you for doing this with us. Thank you. It was an honor. Absolute honor to be with you. Um, and thank, thank you for joining us. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you to our audience for tuning into this episode of A Morgan and Pestle. Definitely one that I'm going to probably go back and listen to again because a lot of amazing information that that John shared as well. And appreciate all you following along. For those that want to follow us along on social media, don't forget to check us out at PCCARX on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. As always, don't forget to hit the subscribe button so that you don't miss an episode. Until next time, this is Mike Delisio, and thanks again for listening.